Amen. God is good and great, and he never leaves us, and I cry every week, so. <clears throat> Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be all over the place. I'm, I'm, I think I have up, up on the screen, Mark 16, 16. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about baptism today and why we do it, why it's necessary, who should do it, and uh, how we do it. And um, it's not just going to be for people who are getting baptized. It's going to be a refresher for those of us who have been baptized. Um, but we will discuss the who, the how, and the why of baptism. This message is for three groups of people. It's for those who have not been baptized but would like to know more about it. It's for those who have not been baptized and are planning on getting baptized. And it's for those of us who have already been baptized and need to be reminded of the commitments that we made on that day. Baptism, it is an outward sign of something that's going on on the inside. Baptism, it's been said, is like a wedding ring. This wedding ring is an outward sign that this heart belongs to someone, right? This wedding ring is an outward sign of something that's happening inside, something that has changed my life, something that has revolutionized, revolutionized who Bradley Spiegel is. This wedding ring symbolizes that. It's no longer just about Bradley, right? Well, baptism is the same thing. It's an outward sign of something that's happening in here, something that's happened inside, something that has transformed you. It is a sacrament of the church, baptism. It is a mystery of how it actually works. We don't know exactly how it works, but we know that it does. We know that we're instructed to. The other sacraments of the church are, are healing. We don't know how that when someone lays on hands and prays for somebody else, we don't know what happens, but we know that something happens. Any, any people who can testify to that this morning, that, that there is something that happens when we follow the scripture of the laying on of hands. I have felt it. I have had... Uh, uh, Pastor Walker lay his hands on me and pray for me. Pastor Sharon, uh, Ms. Garlock, Brother Paul. I've had others lay their hands on me before and pray for me, and something happens. It's not just their words. It is in obedience to a command of God, and then there is something mysterious. I'm not trying to get weird, but it's something mysterious that happens, something that's sacramental. It's, it's the same, something sacramental happens in communion. When we take communion, we receive of the body and the blood of Christ, and Christ is somehow present in that receiving. It's a mystery. Just like in salvation, there is something that happens to us when we believe on Jesus. When we repent of our sins, something happens to us, right? It's not just our words. It's, it's something, a transformation that's going on. And we believe that God is at work in the waters of baptism. Just as he is at work in other sacraments. God is at work. And baptism is the next step for a believer after the initial coming to Christ. Jesus says in Mark 16, 16, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. So the who, who needs to be baptized? Every person that believes in Jesus as Lord 
needs to be baptized. And what are the, the qualifications? You have to believe in Jesus. You have to believe that Jesus is Lord. You have to repent of your sins. And those are the qualifications to being baptized. You don't have to wait until you clean your life up. You don't have to wait until you uh, get off drugs. <laughs> Man, I didn't know so many people were going to be uncomfortable when I said that. But you don't have to clean yourself up. You have to believe in Jesus. You have to repent of your sins. And then you're free to be baptized. Do you remember the Ethiopian eunuch? What he said to Philip, what presents me from being baptized? Nothing. There's, there's water right there. Can I be baptized? Yes. Yes, you can. You believe in Jesus and you're baptized. You don't have to wait till you have all the answers. You don't have to memorize the fundamental truths of the assemblies of God. You, don't have, you do have to believe that Jesus is Lord. And if the answer is yes to that, that you believe that Jesus is Lord, then you need to be baptized. Do you believe? Have you repented? And if you say yes to those, then you are the who. You can be baptized. So the who is you. Peter replied in Acts 2, 38, I think I have that. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The only qualification for baptism, as far as I can tell when I read the Bible, is do you believe? And there were times in the New Testament that as soon as the people believed, they were baptized. The Ethiopian eunuch, the jailer that Paul encountered, do you remember? They, were, they believed and were baptized. He and his whole house. So, who is the who? You are the who. You are the who that need to be baptized. So how? How do we baptize? This is probably the easiest part of the sermon. We will submerge you completely in the waters of baptism. We will take you under the water. You will be submerged. You will put your whole life down in the waters, your whole self, completely burying the old man, giving complete and total surrender to God. Complete and total control of your life. The old man, when you go down, will die. Don't worry, we're not going to drown you. But when you go under the water, it's symbolic. As Christ was buried, we are baptized. As Christ rose from the dead, we come out of the waters of baptism. And we, are, we surrender in the waters of baptism. We, we give our lives to God. Amen? Amen, I've used this illustration before. I'm going to use it again, though. Maybe you weren't here. This is our baptismal tank. We're not going to be baptizing in this this past week. Or, I mean, this, this coming 31st this past week. <laughs> what in the world? This is our baptismal. Uh, the Knights of the Templar were an organization that were a Christian organization. And they were founded in 11... 1119, and they were disbanded in 1312. But they had a military branch. They were a Christian organization with a military branch. And when they were baptized, the Knights of the Templar, 
I meant to bring, I don't have, my, my kids don't have any swords at home anymore. We used to have swords, lightsabers anyway, Miles did. They would go down in the waters of baptism, and they would be baptized holding their sword out of the water. So they would be plunged, but their sword would stay up out of the water. Why did they do this? Because they still wanted to be able to kill people with their sword. They were men of war. They were saying, I will submit all of my life to God. I will submerge into the waters of baptism, but I will not submit my sword. God, you can have everything except this. Now, I didn't see too many people carrying in swords this morning. But I wonder, what is, what is the thing that you want to hold out from God? What is it that you want to keep up from God? God, I'm going to give you everything except this. Except this. God, I take it all. <laughs> take all of me except this. God, you can have everything but my bitterness. You can have everything but my pride. You can have everything but my temper. You know I'm just born that way. No, you're not. You need to get saved. God, you can have everything except this. Except my internet searches when everybody's in bed. Except what's hiding under my bed. Except what's... Except my TV remote. God, you can have it all but I'm going to keep this. No, no. The waters of baptism, you submerge and you die. In the waters of baptism, Bradley Spiegel, put your name in there, dies. You see, because Paul puts it like this, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but not I, but Christ lives in me. The waters of baptism, we go into the waters of baptism to die to our will, to die to ourself. It is in the waters of baptism that we say, God, take it all. We say it other places too, but especially in the waters of baptism. We don't hold anything up because if I see you holding something up, I'm putting my foot on you. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You'll have to sign a waiver beforehand, just in case. No. <laughs> we don't hold anything back. We submit ourselves. We die to ourselves as we go into the waters of baptism. We don't get to keep our unforgiveness. We don't get to keep our bitterness. We don't get to keep our gossiping tongue. We don't get to keep anything. We submit it all to Jesus. So I, I ask yourself, what is... Those who have, are getting baptized, ask yourself, and what is, it, what is it that I don't want to give up? And those who have been baptized, ask yourself, what have I been grabbing hold of now that I'm out of those waters again? <clears throat> so how do we do it? We submerge. So the who, who needs to be baptized? If you believe in Jesus, if you've repented of your sins, you need to be baptized. Not my word, not my words. Christ's words, the apostles' words. I didn't come up with this. I would have came up with a different ritual. 
I would have maybe just had, uh, as Chris Green says, everybody come up and just get knighted. <laughs> that would be fancy. But no, we have to get... <laughs> I think God does it on purpose. Nothing's more humiliating than putting on clothes and getting in a pool. <laughs> it's humiliating, right? It's meant to, hum- not, not to humiliate us, but to humble us. God doesn't, isn't interested in your humiliation. That's not who we serve. Won't you be humble? Yes. Humble as he was humble. To lower yourself as he lo- lowered himself. Okay. So the, the how, that's how uh, you'll get in the water. Uh, we will all, all the, the candidates being baptized, we will confess our faith together. And then when you get in the water, if you want to say something else, like, man, I just want to thank God for this, this, and this, whatever, then you'll hold your nose. There'll be a couple of us there. And we will help you down. We'll get you under. And then we'll help pull you back up. That's the how. That's how it's going to go down. I'm not really going to put my foot on anybody. I'm not really going to do anything like that. But between now and then, I want you to be praying about God. What is this going to mean for me? You know, the old saying uh, that my grandpa used to say is, some people just go down a dry center, come up a wet one. This, this should be transformative. This should be a meaningful event. I was going to get to this later, but Jesus' ministry began right after his baptism. Jesus' ministry didn't begin until he was baptized. And when he was baptized, he was thrust into the desert. And then he came declaring the word of the Lord. And that's my dream for you when you're baptized that you will be led by the Spirit, just as Christ was, and that you will be thrust into your world, speaking the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. So that is the how. So then the why. I've already touched a little bit on it, but why are we baptized? Let's, don't just take my word for it. Let's go to Scripture. Matthew 28, 18. Why do we do it? Because Jesus told us to do it. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. When we baptize you, we will say something along these lines. Uh, Upon your confession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the name of the Son, and the name of the Holy Spirit. Why do we do it that way? Because Jesus told us to. So why do we get baptized? Because Jesus said to. That's the first reason. The second reason is it joins us in his death and his resurrection. Romans 6, 1 through 5. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? I've already talked about that a little bit. When we are baptized, we're baptized into his death. So how can we live in sin any longer? What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. In the waters of baptism, we join Christ in 
his death. So why do we do it? Number one, Jesus told us to. And number two, it joins us into his death and his resurrection. The third reason is Galatians 3, 26 through 29. And there are probably more reasons. These are the reasons that I'm giving you today. It clothes us in Christ. It clothes, that's always been a hard word for me to say, clothes. It clothes us in Christ. Uh, So in Christ Jesus, ye are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized, I'm sorry, all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. If you are all one in Christ Jesus... If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. When you emerge from the waters of baptism, you are part of a new family. You are clothed in Christ. You are clothed in Christ. What's that mean? Paul gives us a little insight. Let me put it in today's terms. You're no longer racist. You're no longer misogynistic. Because in the body of Christ, there is neither male nor female, Greek nor Jew. Jesus Christ has smashed the walls of division. So yes, you come to the body of Christ and you bring your ethnicity and that is welcomed. But we are all part of a big family. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let me, let me shock some of you. God is not white. <laughs> we got some gasps. <laughs> Jesus did not look like me. Oh, dear heavens, I hope he didn't, for his sake. He did not have blonde hair. He did not have blue eyes. And if that's what you think heaven's going to be and you're hoping for, well, you may not make it, one. And number two, it ain't going to be that way. Because read the book of Revelation, I saw them come from every tribe, from every nation, every language. I've said this before, but I'm going to be a minority in heaven. Because if the Chinese church keeps growing the way it's growing, and and if majority rules in heaven, we're going to all be speaking Chinese. And if that makes you uncomfortable this morning... That is not going to be your mother tongue. I mean, there's not... Oh, man. This isn't in there. This isn't even in my notes. But I might as well plow here. I'm here. Might as well plow in this row. When you join the family of God, when you sign up to be part of the kingdom of God... Into the waters of baptism doesn't just die your will, dies your rights and your privileges. When you go into the waters of baptism, you come out, you are part, you're an heir of Abraham. You are an heir with a joint heir with Christ, but it is now about his kingdom, not about your rights. Wow. We're a long way from my notes. It's 
Paul's fault. It's Brother Paul's fault. We were talking before church and we were all over the place with our conversation. What was, I, what was my point? Uh, oh, yeah. It clothes us in Christ. Baptism. When you come up out of the waters of baptism and let God do the work in you, then it's not your kingdom. It's not you. It's, it, it's, it's you give up the right to hold those feelings. Well, this is how I was raised. You're born again. That's how I, when I was born, that's how it was. Where, that's how we talked when I grew up. You're born again into a new kingdom. You might have been born with a, a propensity to have a temper. You might have been born an angry person. But you are born again. Okay. I think we get the point, right? Baptism clothes us in Christ. We are part of a new family, a worldwide family that is billion strong of believers in Jesus Christ. The fourth thing that the waters of baptism do, they symbolically wash away our old sinful life. Acts 22.16, and now what are you waiting for? Get up. Be baptized and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Symbolically, the waters of baptism wash our sins away. We have to repent from our sins, right? You can't just say, oh, I want to be baptized, and you don't think Jesus is Lord, and you've never repented. I mean, you, trust me, I'm sure it's happened. But they symbolically, it's a symbolic washing away of your sins, washing away of your old life. There's a song called Three Feet of Water, and I don't, you can listen to it, but I don't recommend you listen to any of the artists' other songs. But uh, it ta- he talks about, can, can it all really be washed, all, all the sin, he talks about the sin of his past, his, his life, can it all really be washed away in three feet of water? And he talks about how that, yes, it can, the cross of Jesus Christ made way for us. In the waters of baptism, symbolically, our sins are washed away. Okay, so we talked about why we get baptized, right? So the who, who needs to get baptized, how do we do it, and then why do we do it? I gave you four reasons why we do it. But why did Jesus get baptized? I want to talk about that briefly. Why did Jesus get baptized? Jesus we all would agree, lived a sinful life, or sinless life. Oh, forgive me, Lord. No. Jesus lived a sinless life, a life that did not need to be cleansed from sin. But Jesus stepped into the waters of baptism. So why did Jesus go to John the Baptist, the Baptist and want to be baptized? Jesus said it's proper to fulfill all righteousness um, to John the Baptist that I come to you and be baptized. And I I heard somebody explain it this way, and I really liked it, so I'm going to tell you. Jesus does not need to get baptized to cleanse his flesh like we do. He has lived a perfect life. Jesus enters the waters not to get purified by them, but to purify them. Jesus enters the waters so that when we enter the waters, they will have the power to cleanse us. The same way that he enters death and clears a path for us there, he enters the waters 
and prepares them. We become clean in them because Jesus washes us. And Jesus, because he's clean, makes anything he touches clean. You know, in the New Testament, many times Jesus would touch the leper or the woman with the issue of blood would touch Jesus. He would be ceremonially unclean. But Jesus could not get unclean. That's the kind of transformative power that Jesus has. He could be among us, but not be made unclean by us. He somehow could be among sinners, but purify them without becoming unclean himself. And Jesus goes into the waters of baptism and purifies the waters of baptism. And before we baptize you, we will pray, Jesus, make these waters like the Jordan that your flesh touched and like the waters you went down in. And we believe that supernaturally he will. That by the Spirit of God, he will transform uh, those waters and he will be present in them. Jesus goes into the waters to purify the waters for us. In the book of Genesis, we see the Spirit of God hovering over the water. And underneath the water is chaos, right? Then in the ark, the ark of Noah, we have the, the saved above the water. And underneath the water is destruction and chaos. And that's kind of the picture of water in the scripture is that above the water is good, below the water is bad. The waters of the Red Sea collapse upon the Egyptians, and they are buried under the waters. But Christ plunges beneath the surface. Christ goes into the chaos. Christ goes into the chaos of our world to make it right, to set it free. Aren't you glad he didn't leave us under the water? He came and underneath the water. Before he ever walked on the water, like Walker preached about last week, he was plunged beneath the waters. And he, he fulfills the narrative. narrative. <laughs> I can't talk today. It's not just today, it's any day. Of water in Scripture. So Jesus has cleansed the water for us. He's gone to the ugly places. He's gone to the low places. Talked about a couple weeks ago, he went to Lodabar. He goes to the low places. He comes and he lowers himself. He humbles himself. He does not consider equality with God something to grasp onto, but yet he lowers himself. He becomes a servant. He submits himself to death, even death on a cross. Christ comes beneath the waters, lowers himself. And as you come from the waters of baptism, I can't even say it. As you come from the waters of baptism, Christ will call you to do the same thing. Yes, Christ calls us to walk on water just like Peter did. But he also calls, causes us to plunge beneath and go after the chaos and bring hope and life and light into the chaos too. Amen. Amen. Christ is baptized. Christ comes up out of the waters of baptism. Heaven is split open. The Spirit descends upon him. And then after his death, the Spirit descends upon us. And when we are baptized, we become agents of this redeemed way of thinking, the way that Christ saw the world, the way that Christ lived his life. Jesus said to his disciples in John, the 20th chapter, uh, he's, he's, he's risen from the dead. 
They're locked in a room. John 20, 21 says, So Jesus said to them again, which tells us that they were still scared. Because you read a couple verses before, he's like, Peace be with you. But he has to tell them again, Hey, peace to you. And then he says, As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And I've heard that scripture all my life, and I've brushed past it. But I, this week, this uh, scripture struck me in a way that it hadn't before. Because when you think about the way that the Father sent Jesus, and then Jesus says, in turn, I send you the same way. The Father sent Jesus confident that he would complete the work. With all confidence, he equipped him. He empowered him. He knew that the word would not come back void. And in that same way that the Father sent Jesus, Jesus is sending these guys. And in turn, us. I mean, lest you forget, these were fishermen, a tax collector, a zealot. None of them were qualified to have credentials in the assemblies of God. They haven't, I mean, they haven't completed the courses. They certainly haven't done the history of the AG course. They're not qualified. They're terrified. They're hiding in a room. And Jesus looks at them and is like, yeah, these are the guys. These are the guys. The same way that you sent me, Father, I'm going to send them. And he says it to you this morning, too. Maybe you feel unqualified. Maybe you feel like you don't know anything about the Bible. You don't know the first thing. You, you, you're like, I could never preach the gospel. Well, you may never stand up here and preach the gospel, but you are called to preach the gospel everywhere you go. Jesus says, as the Father sent me, so send I you. In the Greek, that word is just as or even as, in proportion as, in the degree that the Father sent me, I send you. The same way the Father sent Jesus, Jesus is sending us. And those 11 guys turned the world upside down. There's more than 11 in here this morning that I'm preaching to. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus wants to send you. The same way that the Father sent Jesus. And Jesus was baptized. He was led by the Spirit. And he began his ministry. Again, you might say, I'm not called to the ministry. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Ministry is more than holding a microphone and mispronouncing words. <laughs> ministry is more than that. Ministry is you one-on-one -on -one sharing the love of Jesus Christ. Yeah. You, everywhere you go, walking in the light of the gospel of Jesus. Right. Ministry. You are called to ministry. People say, oh, do you feel called to ministry? I don't like that question. Because the answer is yes for everybody. We're all called to ministry. You, Jesus, has confidence in you. 
And as the Father sent him, he's going to equip and empower you and send you into your world. That's fascinating to me. Has he met us? Does he know how inept we are? Yes, he does. But he loves us and he's going to use us. And he's going to equip us. He will not leave us as orphans. And as we step out in faith, he will equip us. He equipped those, those 11. He said, wait, wait, wait in Jerusalem. Don't leave Jerusalem until you, the Spirit comes. Well, how will we know? <laughs> You'll know. <laughs> how will I know if I'm baptized in the Spirit? You'll know. How will I know if I have the power? You'll know. The, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Just as uh, God sent Jesus, it's fascinating to me, Jesus sends us, sends me, sends you. Go into your world and preach the gospel. God is calling you. So what, what, what does it look like after baptism? Look at the life of Jesus. I'm going to talk to those people who are being baptized, and I'm going to challenge them. Jesus, as soon as he was baptized for 40 days, he went on a spiritual journey. And I'm going to challenge you, if you're being baptized, take 40 days, go on a spiritual journey. It doesn't have to be fasting <laughs> like Jesus did. But go on a spiritual journey. Get closer to God. Take that time to get closer to God. Do something out of the ordinary for you as it relates to God. God is calling you. God is sending you. God has work for you to do among the people that you see every single day. Amen? Amen. In 1949, there was a man by the name of James Courier. He lived near Nashville, Tennessee. Mr. Courier was convicted of murder and put in jail for life. In 1961, Tennessee started this new program with their prisoners who behave well. They could move to the property of a large landowner, and he would put them to work for $5 a week. He would provide them a place to live and um, would pay them $5 a week. The prisoners were happy about it because they didn't want to be in prison, but they were working all day, working hard, working on farms. Um, still wasn't allowed to go anywhere but the farm or to the horse trailer that he lived in. in 19, that was 1949. He was convicted. 1961, he was sent to this farm in Tennessee. In 1968, some new evidence came forth that proved that James Courier was innocent. The governor of the state sent a decree to the farmer to James Courier, and said, James Courier is a free man. The farmer, knowing James Courier could not read nor write, kept this information to himself. And from 1968 to 1981, James Courier, a free man, lived as a servant in a horse trailer, getting $5 a week. But by some fluke clerical thing in the parole officer's office, he found James Courier and in 1981 told him he was free. And I tell that story to remind us that we encounter people every single day. 
who are bound, who are trapped, who are chained to sin. And they don't know the freedom that is available to them in Jesus Christ. We see them every day. You see them every day. I talk to them every day. And so do you. We live in a world that is, has access to freedom. But they don't even know it. As I sent, as the Father sent me, so send I you. Jesus is calling. Will you answer the call? We're going to go into a time of communion. I'm going to ask the band if they'll come back up. I know this was a little bit different kind of message. It actually was the first time in three times preaching I've got to preach the message I prepared.